You are listening to Episode 30 of Stoicism on Fire. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Fisher, welcoming you to the Stoicism on Fire podcast, where the ancient practice of Stoic philosophy as a way of life and rational form of spirituality is still alive. This episode of Stoicism on Fire kicks off an exploration of the powerful, poignant, and perennially inspiring Enchiridion of Epictetus. The 53 chapters of this Stoic handbook will provide the primary content and study plan for this exploration of Stoic theory and practice. However, I will incorporate other Stoic texts and the insights of scholars where appropriate for the subject at hand. In this introductory episode, I will provide some background on the Enchiridion. Then, in the next episode of Stoicism on Fire, we will begin the chapter-by-chapter exploration with the frequently quoted Chapter 1. The Enchiridion, like the Discourses, was written by Flavius Arian, who was a student of Epictetus and later became a public servant under the Emperor Hadrian and a respected historian. In a letter to Lucius Gellius, Arian claims that the Discourses are, quote, word-for-word, end quote, taken as best I could from the lectures of Epictetus. The Enchiridion, frequently referred to as the Handbook, is a compilation of passages drawn from those discourses. As a result, many of the chapters of the Enchiridion can be directly correlated to passages in the discourses. Those that cannot be correlated likely come from portions of the discourses that are now lost to us. The Enchiridion, more so than the discourses, has been the historical gateway into the thought of Epictetus. For example, Simplicius, a 6th century Neoplatonist, wrote a commentary on the Enchiridion that served as an introduction to Neoplatonist philosophy. Additionally, as Christopher Gill notes in his introduction to the Robin Hard translation of Epictetus, quote, the handbook was also adopted with some modifications by Christian monks and used for centuries by the Eastern Greek Orthodox Church. Through Syriac Christian scholars, Epictetus's thought spread to the Islamic East, influencing, for instance, the teaching on dispelling sorrow by Al-Kindi, a major figure in the study of Greek texts in 9th century Baghdad. End quote. The fact that the Enchiridion served as the sole source of Epictetus's teachings for many who were not otherwise interested in Stoicism produced a negative side effect. As W.A. Oldfather, the author of the Loeb Classical Library translation of Epictetus, points out, the necessary aridity and formalism of this condensed version obscures the more modest, human, and sympathetic aspects of Epictetus's character. Unfortunately, a compendium like the Enchiridion can easily create misunderstanding and result in unwarranted criticism of Epictetus's thought. And this brings up an excellent point. The Enchiridion is not a substitute for the discourses of Epictetus. Instead, its passages should serve as reminders for those who are already familiar with the Stoic teachings. According to Simplicius, Arian wrote a letter to Messalinus that describes the Enchiridion as a selection of those passages from the discourses that are most timely and essential to philosophy and which most stir the soul. Simplicius further suggests, quote, The aim of the Enchiridion 
if it meets with people who are persuaded by it and do not merely read it, but are actually affected by the speeches and bring them into effect, is to make our soul free. As the demiurge and father, its maker and generator, intended it to be, not fearing anything, or distressed at anything, or mastered by anything inferior to it. End quote. Because the Enchiridion was created as a handbook to serve as a handy reminder of Epictetus' teaching, I waited to address it on the Stoicism on Fire podcast until I had covered all the essentials of Stoic theory and practice. Again, the Enchiridion is not a standalone text of Stoic doctrine. Instead, it serves to remind us about the teachings with which students and practitioners of Stoicism should already be familiar. This podcast series will explore the Enchiridion with that in mind. Therefore, I assume the listener is already familiar with basic Stoic doctrines and practices. If you are new to Stoicism, please take the time to listen to Stoicism on Fire podcast episodes 1 through 14 before proceeding. Those episodes will provide a foundation that will allow you to get the most out of this exploration of the Enchiridion. This series of podcasts will use A.A. Long's translation of the Enchiridion from his 2018 book titled How to Be Free, An Ancient Guide to the Stoic Life. A.A. Long is one of the most, if not the most, respected Stoic scholars of our time. His scholarship is always of the highest quality. Therefore, in deference to him, I will use the title Enchiridion instead of Handbook throughout this series, and I will spell it as A.A. Long does, with the additional E in the middle. I strongly encourage my listeners to purchase a copy of this book. It's an inexpensive hardbound book and is a worthy addition to any library of a Stoic practitioner. As A.A. Long makes clear in his book title, freedom is a central theme in the teachings of Epictetus. In fact, on the front flap of the dust cover, Long writes, quote, Freedom, for Epictetus, is not a human right or a political prerogative, but a psychological and ethical achievement, a gift we alone can bestow on ourselves, end quote. This is consistent with his previous book on Epictetus, where he argues four principal concepts give Epictetus's philosophy its unity and coherence, freedom, judgment, volition, and integrity. On the principle of freedom, Long wrote, quote, Freedom, underwritten by the theology we have just observed, has nothing to do with liberty in a social or political sense. The freedom that interests Epictetus is entirely psychological, logical, and attitudinal. It is freedom from being constrained or impeded by any external circumstance or emotional reaction. End quote. We will see each of these four principles freedom, judgment, volition, and integrity during our exploration of the Enchiridion. However, freedom will be emphasized because that principle is pervasive in the teachings of Epictetus. This focus on freedom is likely because Epictetus was in fact a slave himself before being freed and becoming a Stoic teacher. As a result of that experience, where his external circumstances were controlled entirely by the whims of his master, Epictetus developed a profound understanding and appreciation for true freedom, which is naturally free, unimpeded, and unconstrained. As A.A. Long notes, for Epictetus, freedom according to this notion is neither legal status nor opportunity to move around at liberty. It is the mental orientation of persons who are impervious to frustration or disappointment because their wants and decisions depend on themselves and involve nothing they cannot deliver to themselves. 
Epictetus reminds us that true slavery has nothing to do with chains, freedom of movement, or the ability to carry out one's intentions. As a result, he teaches the slave how to be truly free while simultaneously reminding the free person that they are enslaved by their desires and aversions. Nevertheless, as Long points out, this conception of freedom is not the invention of Epictetus. Quote, According to Zeno, the original head of the Stoic school, freedom is the exclusive prerogative of those who are wise, while inferior persons, who comprise the majority of people, are not only fools, but also slaves. End quote. Therefore, when Epictetus calls his students slaves in his lectures, he is not insulting them. Instead, he is reminding them that their psyches are controlled by the puppet strings of desires and aversions just as much as the slave's body is controlled by chains and whips. In other words, he is reminding his students they are not free, and he is encouraging them to seek true freedom. As Stoic practitioners, our goal during this exploration of the Enchiridion is to cut a few more of those puppet strings that bind us like chains to our desires and aversions. By doing so, we will make a little more progress along the Stoic path toward true freedom. Thank you for listening to the Stoicism on Fire podcast. If you are interested in this ancient practice of Stoicism, you will find plenty of resources at www.traditionalstoicism.com. If you're interested in a social media environment where this form of Stoicism is discussed, please join us on Facebook in the Traditional Stoicism group. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a positive review on the platform where you listen to this podcast. That tells others this podcast is worth listening to and thereby introduces more people to the ancient spiritual practices of the Stoics. If you have feedback or a great podcast idea for me, send me an email at chris, that's C-H-R-I-S, at traditionalstoicism.com. Until next time, I hope you will continue exploring traditional Stoicism, where the cosmos is alive with the meaning and purpose of the divine creative fire of the ancient Stoics. I wish you well and encourage you to keep your practice of Stoicism on fire. <laughs>